Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Property Duo. James has just hit his head on his ceiling um, and his son came in and disturbed everything, which was quite fun, actually. I must say, this is the realities of, of property investing, you know, with um, with little ones running around. Yeah, it's been rather fun. And the fact that they've got another two weeks off school because the government have announced that they're giving them another two weeks off school because it's not safe to return. We've got to deal with it. Oh, funny though. They, they thought it was safe before, though, didn't they? The morons. Um, right. So today we are going to talk about, actually, this, kind of what we're talking about, James, is kind of like your favourite book. We're talking about the small or big things that we do, and this is going to be anything, that have had the biggest impact on our happiness, our success, our whatever. Um, because our guest who's coming on, James, knows very well, uh, you know, she has totally changed her life and you're going to learn about that and how that all happened. So me and James want to share our little tips with you on how little, little things can have a compound effect. See where I was going mm-hmm. and make you better. So James, hit me. Give me one thing. You know, what? I'm going to give you one that I've most recently experienced, and that is just staying quiet in a situation, not reacting, not saying anything, just doing this. Hmm and absorbing it and listening because there's so many times when you just want to react you want to say something you want to talk you want to have your opinion and i found staying quiet actually has such a positive effect in certain situations where it doesn't allow the other person to react it doesn't allow the other person to have you know start sharing emotions or feelings um so yeah very very simple one stay quiet in certain situations which is my most recent one there's a stoic quote on that by Cato. I think it says something along the lines of, I only speak when I know what I'm going to say is not better left unsaid. Mm-hmm. You know, basically what you said there, our our, our young philosopher, James, James the uncle would be your philosopher name, James the uncle. I'm, I'm, we're going with that now. I'll take that. Uh, uh, one small thing that has helped me. You know what? It's changing the time I go to the gym. Well, obviously not anymore. Tier four, hashtag dickheads, hashtag Boris. You started going earlier, haven't you? Yeah. So I I used to go, I don't know, I'd probably get up about seven-ish, eight. I mean, I'd kind of be in the gym for about 8.15, 8.30, and I'd be back home, 9.30, not ready to work until about 10.30, 11, which I don't mind. I'm more of an evening worker anyway. Afro beats and porridge? Obviously, on a Monday. <laughs> on uh, a Tuesday. On a Wednesday. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> But then by changing the time, so now I aim to be there at 7, 7.15, um, obviously free parking as well in, in Luton. So yeah, I'm not I, used to getting abusive messages from you at that time in the morning. So it's kind of real <laughs> odd for me as well. It's like, James, have you done this? Why not? What's going on? And it's just like, Ted is not normally awake. <laughs> well, I won't be for the next however long um, necessarily. So just doing that has meant I sort of, come back home before 9am before I get texts and messages and just idiots annoying me as they always fucking do. Um, and I can just kind of have like, basically when I go to the gym, I don't really check my phone before when I'm at the gym, I don't check it at all. Like at all. I am mindfulness. I'm there, but just that little 45 minute, half an hour, hour earlier 
means that when I get back in, I can be at my desk. Well, I'm never there at nine, but I can be there by nine-ish and work in line with kind of the stimuli that comes in as opposed to getting there at 10, 30, 11. Now that, that alone has made a big difference. That's waking up, yeah, 45 an hour early perhaps. That's that's me, James. What, what else you got? Um, I've got another one for you, which is most recently, again, I have started to think about New Year's resolutions. Not 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 most recently. I've been doing this probably for the most of 2020. People create New Year's resolutions, yeah? And I think you need to drop that word resolution and new with habits. They don't need to be resolutions. You need to create clear, consistent, and small habits. So you're doing them all the time. And when I say consistent, make sure they're consistent. Make sure it's something that you can carry on doing consistently throughout the year. Because people get to the 31st of December, being the 31st of December today, and make huge claims, you know, I'm going to lose 20 kilo by February and, you know, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and week one. New year, new me. Week two. That's it. Yeah. New year, new me. That's just, it's bullshit. Yeah. It's It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Because come week two, it's it's just going to fizzle out. I mean, I've been driving this morning and I see so many people running that I've never seen before. And I know come 5 a.m. on the 3rd of March when it's freezing cold and your are going to freeze when you run, you ain't going to see nobody because it's new year, new me. So this is why I say build tiny little consistent habits. Call them habits. Change them and put them into your daily routine and don't have these mad claims. So what I'm saying is bring huge goals down into tiny, tiny little segments that you can do every single day. And at the end of the month, it compounds. At the end of the year, it compounds even more. And before you know it, your life's drastically changed just from diverting a little bit that way. Mm, really good. Uh, one thing I've done is a book we've both read, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Really, really good book. He's he's, he's a very um, scientific writer in the, in the way that he writes. But it really kind of got to me. And I know, you know, in property, you know, we don't necessarily have, no, we do have deep work we can do, but a lot of it is, well, social media notifications, um, you know, someone calling you, builders call it, there's a lot of stimulus and incoming. So sometimes in property, you don't want to be doing deep work. You want to be doing shallow work because you know, you're going to get sort of pulled and some things are time urgent. Plumber calls you, we got an issue right now. You got an issue right now, but it's not always the case from that book. I kind of have these things where what I do, and I think this is the main tip he gave is basically I kind of do this thing where I say, I mean, let's say I'm analyzing a deal. Well, I've got three I need to analyze. I turn my phone over that automatically puts it into do not disturb mode. It's a Motorola thing. I'm sure all Android and phones have it. <clears throat> and then I say to myself, look at the clock, no internet until, you know, 45 minutes from now. That doesn't mean I can't use the internet, but it means no social media. It means no emails. It means kind of no um, stimuli-based internet. Mm -hmm. And it means just do the stuff. And it's like with a Pomodoro timer. It's just something in you. Suddenly it's like competitive. You're just like, whoa, I've got 45 minutes. I fucking analyze these deals. This needs to get done. And you focus. And it's the dumbest thing. But it works. 100%. And, and that one thing for me has made a big difference to how much I get done because I'm there, boom, 45-minute interval, 20-minute interval, what? Stuff has been done. The to-do list goes ping, 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 gets checked off all day. And that alone has been incredible. But really, arguably, it's quite a 
small act to do, but takes a lot of mental willpower. No, I agree. I agree. And you're the one who actually got me onto that. Uh, well, I knew about the Pomodoro timer, but you said to me, look, start using it all because it will start to, um, you know, it'll get, start getting you more focused. And you, it does because you've got this little timer that sits in your desktop at the corner of your screen and you have set yourself for 25. It gives it, you know, 25 minutes before it tings off again. And you're like, shit, man, I've got like three minutes left. I better just get this shit together. Because when you work without a, without a fixed plan, I f- tend to find that you will you will do things. You know, you might see your phone ping and before you know it, you'd write and reply to an Instagram post and 10 minutes have gone. And you have just, it's going to take you three minutes to get back into it. And one of the things I was doing earlier this week was just rejigging my calendar. Obviously, I've got some commitments on there that I can't keep to anymore. So I've got certain things like, you know, between 9am and 10am in the morning, I'll respond to emails and then I won't check them again till 4.30 in the afternoon because you could spend all bloody day responding to emails and you've got no work done. And then your work block should be split up. Like, you know, you've got, say, a one and a half hour work block, which is devoted to creating content or it's devoted to, um, I don't know, analyzing deals, like you said. Or you might even have one point in your week where it's one and a half hours devoted purely to accountancy where you're doing nothing else. And I think unless you've got a clear block plan like that, you can very easily let the day control you and you're not controlling your day and you're not controlling yourself, your visions, your goals and your end purpose. Mm, i agree another little tip which i think a lot of people know and maybe listening to us right now on this or with it is multiplying the speed at which you listen to audiobooks and podcasts now audible goes up to like three times speed i think uh most podcast apps go to i think three actually or spotify goes to times two i think now i don't know about everyone listening i speak fast anyway i think but i cannot listen to people at one time speed. I just don't learn. Like it, It's too far gone now for me. I don't learn the same. Any YouTube video, anything that I'm learning will be on two times speed minimum because anything less, I get bored. My mind works quick and I need to pause it. Happy days, but I have to have it on two minimum. Uh, with American accents, it can be quite tricky because of the way they talk. It just kind of blurs into one. If someone has a strong British accent or European accent, actually, I've noticed it's easier to then hear it the faster it goes. Like I can listen to, you know, English podcast guests at like 2.8 speed, but Americans, I'm kind of like 2.2, 2.4. But think about it. You go an hour long podcast, you go for an hour long walk. Instead of listening to one property yeah. duo, yeah. you yeah. listen to two. And, you know, do build it up 1.25 1. 1.5 1. 1.7 1. and it may not be for you but for me this is such a hack that actually i learn better because i can't deal with it and actually i found a chrome plugin that allows you to make facebook videos faster so when i was doing um the little family's uh you know your, your land partner's 100 and 100 videos i was watching it at 1.5 1.8 because that's what i need to learn james talk to me that's a very good tip. I didn't know about the one for um, uh, for Facebook because I, you know, I, I've watched about twenty of Richard's videos. But when you've got a hundred to get through, it's it's a big commitment. If you've got something that's, uh, you know, can go a lot lot quicker, um, that's fantastic. I actually found a little hack on saving videos from Facebook when they're in a private group and you can't actually save them. You can't actually do anything with them. That was quite quite nice for me because I put them on my Trello board, and again, I can refer to them as and when I want. And even if they do take them down, you've got a downloaded version sitting there 
in your bank resource. But yeah, no, I'm with you on that, man. Hundred percent. I think another thing people can do is what I find. Uh, I haven't I haven't used these in the past, but I'm planning to use one this year. Is goal journals. I think we've both got mm. one. I actually didn't like the one I had. I thought it was too complicated, and I went with another one that somebody recommended. And what these allow you to do is 90 days fast plan your 90 day goals on what you want to do. And it's very, very nice, man, because it allows you to put in your three biggest goals for the day. You know, you can really get focus in. So say, for example, you've got a project where you're building a website, you know, that it's not something you really want to leave willy nilly to, 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 to kind of gather dust and carry on with, with, a, with a deadline that never comes to an end. So these things can allow you to set specific deadlines. And I think, I've always wanted to try them and I thought, you know what, what better way of bringing that into trial now than a new year, starting with it in the new year and trying to adopt it into a habit because Trello boards are great, Asana boards are great, but I still feel pen and paper is still one of the greatest tools you've got because you can quickly scribble things down and quickly see things. I agree. I think Brendan Burchard from High Performance Habits, incredible book. Uh, he has his uh, he has like a high performance 90 day planner, something similar to yours, but it's very structured and apparently it's meant to be amazing. Lives have been changed all over America from it. It's crazy, amazing. Um, it's not, not too expensive either. Another thing I've started doing actually is taking walks at lunchtime. So my partner is doing a PhD, so she's working or studying and there's like a fixed lunch break, which is so like, um, unknown to me now because the last time I had a fixed lunch break was like five years ago so I'm like oh is it lunch is it I'm just like well, I just eat when I'm when I'm told by my stomach to eat like what is this and because we live in the countryside now we go for nice walks just half an hour or so in the local fields obviously covered in mud when we come back but that alone whether in the country whether you're in a city whatever it just breaks up the day gets you out of you know the kind of blue blue light screen mode you know sitting there typing away into the ah, fresh air or not fresh air if you're in a city but it just changes your environment and gets your legs moving gets the blood flowing kind of just chops the day a little bit and allows you to come back honestly feeling so much more refreshed and it's like having two starts to your day you got the morning you go jamie you come back blah, blah, blah and then you're like half an hour total i don't get my phone out at all boom i come back and now we're set. Let's go again. And that's a really nice thing that people can do. Now, obviously, in lockdown, the fuck else are you going to be doing? You know <laughs> what? Just, just, just to add to that, because my day starts pretty early at two o'clock. I have an alarm set on my phone at two o'clock for exactly 18 minutes where I will try and have a snooze or close my power eyes. Nap. Knew it. And you know what? It works wonders because without that power nap, I was finding there was a big, massive fatigue towards the last part of that day and mm. a massive slump. And then you look at it. And my wife said to me, look, look, look at this realistically. If you're waking up at four o'clock, course by two o'clock, you're going to be finished in the afternoon, you know, by seven o'clock, you've already got so many hours in. So pencil that in. And it's a perfect time, an hour and a half just before my kids get back from school or an hour before my kids get back from school. And I can just get that little that it's like a yeah, it's like a boost. Someone's just giving you a little zoom. <laughs> so you don't know, be afraid. Don't be afraid to kind of put those into your day if it makes you more productive. Power naps are, I think our broker Shaz does power naps about two o'clock as well. I think it's like the universal time for power naps, but <laughs> they are, and you, 18 minutes is interesting because it has to be a certain time. Because if you go too far, You're you gone. start hitting, <laughs> yeah, you wake up like, what day is it? Yeah. What's going on? But like, it has to be a certain time. But I find them, sometimes I do it at like six o'clock. I don't know why, because I, I work till like nine, ten because I, you know, whatever. So I kind of end up napping then because obviously I wake up two hours later than you. So I kind of, I kind of feel a bit snoozy later, but it works. 
like mm. I put on a bit of Daniel Caesar, a bit of sleep music, and then I'm whoa, ready to go. Let's get it going. I, you know what? I did it before our podcast recording yesterday. You know, I had 30 minutes yesterday. You know, being the holiday, full of energy. Yeah, I wow. thought, let me take a 10 minute extra. You know, for <laughs> myself. But yeah, without that, I know there would have been a massive slump, and I would have been like, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it is, and you know what? I think. There's so many little things that we do. I mean, what I've started doing actually is, um, so obviously I read the Daily Stoic every day, every morning. Before you're uh, about to say you read the Daily Star. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my Daily Star. Fucking I'm a Terrence, you on the ta- Daily Star, son. Ta- taking our jobs, are they, again? Fuck, you know. Um, that's what I'd be <laughs> coming from. Get Fucking Daily Star, Daily Mail, fucking piece of shit. Burn them, <laughs> mate. Um, and I... We did a lady stoic. I kind of have a little gratitude journal. Actually, big up spot the Dave. She got me this yellow. She loved a gift. She got me this yellow, just little, I don't know, journal, I suppose you call it, for like my birthday. Um, and I was like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does it look like this? It's exactly the same. No, wait, what's, what's, what's on your cover? What's the little gold thing? This one's, di- I've got one that says projects, dreams, and gratitude. Oh no, my one was just plain. Oh, it's just plain. Okay, okay. It's just it's a just plain like yellow s- one. And I was like, what the hell do I do with this? But every morning I journal my gratitude in it. I don't know how much it helps, but it is a great use. My journaling, that. journaling is massive. I haven't been doing it recently, but I on you know, I say to people when they're like, Oh, I feel so confused. Get a big piece of paper and jot everything down what's on your head and work through it. Yes. I know a lot of people that journal, you know, cooks from Mr. Sings, he journals huge amounts you know he journals every single day and he's constantly writing things down because you know they say get it out of your head on paper and you can process it and deal with it because when it's in your head it just floats about it does and it, it could become a book one day it could be your memoirs you know <laughs> memoirs de la james <laughs> uh, what i was saying is i do this thing it's called um a q a book i think well i've got it next to me somewhere but um i've, I've got it's a q a book and uh, actually, you know, I've got it here. I'm going I'm to talk people through it. So it's a little brown, it's a really nice little book, little brown journal. It's called q and It's got 365 questions for five years. So, I mean, I mean, if we look at today's one, which is quite apt, I would say, it says, what is your most cherished memory of this year? If I go to the 28th of September, you know, how hungry are you right now? I mean, the answer is constantly always very. But, um, you know, if we look at August, the first of august do you need a cold shower it just asks you questions that are just you know random maybe even meaningless and it gives you five years a little little bit you've got a small handwriting to write it out and so it's quite nice that you kind of look back at your years every so next year on april the 17th i'll look at what i wrote and so last year on april the 17th they said what do you think is your biggest shortcoming i said impatience leading to self-pressure and then now in 2021, when it comes to it, I will then have another answer. I think hold on, hold on. What was that? In 18, you wrote that? Uh, no, it must have been last year, maybe. Did you write anything the year before that? No. I've only oh, had it'd be nice to see a couple of years. Yeah. No, to be honest, I've only got, I haven't got many. I've, I've done a few from 18, but this is interesting because imagine looking back at this in five years thinking, wow, I have grown. Or, yeah, I'm thinking, what a puddle I was. <laughs> Yeah, basically, I read some answers and I think, shit, you ain't changed. You're still a dick. Like, <laughs> your answer today is the same as it was then. But it's nice to every morning to be asked a random question. Because, you know, when you're also reading the Daily Stoic, it can kind of combine and you can be a bit philosophical. And sometimes I sit there thinking, you know, looking out the window at our local buzzard or local bird of prey and just 
thinking, you know? Um, and and I, ah, here's another thing I've done more of, non, uh, non-scripted meditation. And what this literally means is, and for me, I live in the countryside, is staring out the window. Like, and mm-hmm. here at my nanny's house in Birmingham, it's just looking, her garden's amazing. Also, you've seen my mum's, it's the same thing. Just looking out there and just letting my mind wonder, let it solve problems, let it think about, mm, how am I going to do Just let it. Just, and I love nature, so I, I could be there for hours, but I'm not. And just, and you know, I have solved so many problems and come up with so much strategy, mm. just looking out into the world. Um, and that is a big, big thing. You know, they say you don't see the bigger picture. Mm. Sometimes taking a step back, you're looking at the bigger picture, mm. you know, and seeing what's going on there. And I find, I find uh, people watching quite a good thing. You know, in the summer, I like to sit there and have a coffee and just watch the world go past and watch people interact, do things, talk, see how a child might be interacting with their mother, how kids might be, how parents might be. And I find that really helps me relax my mind as well, which is quite, quite, I guess, similar. But, you know, it's taking yourself out of a tense situation and trying to find a solution for a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. James, another little thing I've done is that not send me a Christmas card. <clears throat> hashtag bitter. Hashtag get over it. Um, hashtag you could send one and say it got lost in the post. I've only got like a, 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 yeah, oh, oh, they're just burnt next to me. Oh my god, <laughs> out a pile. Oh no, and then the dog, the neighbor's dog. Hey, stop! Hey, James, go, go back home. Stop it. Oh yeah, the next door's. Next dogs. Uh, Listen, dog. you ain't got no stray animals in that house. That's only in West London. <laughs> that cat is living with us now. Like, mum sends me pictures, and he like he sleeps there. Everything, <laughs> like he's fully. He doesn't like his. He doesn't like his owners, man. They don't look after him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Our mum's. Oh, I don't like. I don't like pets. And there you are with a daddy billy. Like, it's a madness. Um, but James, I think changing. You know, changing your life doesn't happen with. Well, it can happen with big, big events and big, big gestures and things. But often it's habits, like you said at the beginning, and the culmination of little, little things over and over again that then lead to, oh, there's a change in my personality. There's a change in my characteristics. There's a change in my behavior. I'm now someone I didn't think I was before, right? You know what? I think change comes in two ways, yeah? Either you purposely change or there's something that happens so massive and drastic in your life that forces you to change. Hmm, For but, me. But then, but then do you, you intentionally everyone... change and want to get better or there's something that slaps you in your ass and forces you to? Otherwise, most people are quite content in just plodding along. <sighs> yeah, but then... But then how big does that event have to be? Because I don't feel like I've had one of those events, but I have made a big change like that, I suppose. Yeah, I think they have to be quite big life-changing events, not just something willy-nilly. I mean, I I used to kind of think that like everyone has to have a certain moment, but, you know, I, 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 I don't know. It makes sense that you have to have this big kick that then causes you to shift um, and maybe people who haven't had it, maybe we're waiting for it. You know, maybe that is what's around the next corner. Mm. True. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here oh, we go. Oh, go hello. Our guest, our guest. Here we go. Tina, can you hear us? 
Hello. Yes, Hi. I can. <laughs> welcome, Hello. welcome, welcome. Hello. Well, we've spoken before, Tina. I don't know if you've spoken to Ted before. We haven't. I haven't. We haven't. No. Nah, it's all right. He's just some normal bloke who runs a podcast and wears a yellow Yeah, t-shirt. yeah. I'm just, I, I just ask random questions. Uh, yeah, don't worry about me. James, take us away. I will do. Tina, thank you so much for joining us. Um, today's show, me and Ted have just been talking about little changes that people can make in their life to kind of better themselves or to adopt better habits. Uh, we spoke about a few things, but we wanted to get your take on this because obviously you took a drastic change in your life, didn't you, from being someone who was quite content in what she was doing uh, and then flipping it on its head and just going off on your own journey and creating a business for yourself, which is flourishing and growing year on year. So we wanted to talk to you about massive change and how you went about it and how you changed your life from being quite, you know, fixed in a box in one place to where it is now, which is quite, quite colourful and quite eventful. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, it it's uh it's always a privilege when someone says, come and talk about you, which you don't really get that often in life. So thank you very much. Um, and yeah, um, I was working for the council for 18 years, um, very much fixed in a very, uh, a, a very routine way of life because no one really told me there was a, that there was an option. No one really said, oh, do you know this is out there? Because it's only until you discover that it's out there that you actually go, oh, God, I didn't even know this existed. But not only existed, I didn't know it was an, it, it was an option for me. Um, I, I had, I, no one had ever kind of said, well, you make life what you want it to be. I thought for 40 years of my life that life gave you a certain thing and that's what you, you were given the cards and that's what you played with. And actually, it's so not. You get to go out there and you get to make your own decisions and your own destiny and make your own goals and what you want to achieve. But it's really difficult because until someone tells you that, how do you know? No one tells you that in school. If you don't have parents who have maybe had a slight inkling of that or are business owners themselves, they they don't really say to you, do you know what? You could run your own business and, and, and you could do this or you could do that. It's just like, no, you go to school and then you're really lucky if you get a job and you're really lucky if you get to keep a job. And that's where I was at. Um, now, I'm not dissing people who work for the council. I had a great time for many years working for the council. Um, but that I, I was so far from being an entrepreneur. And really what I wanted to get across to everyone today was you, I used to think that this was for other people. This was for people who had something. And I don't know what the thing was I thought they had, but they had something I just didn't have. And it was never an option to me. And then somewhere, something told me, and honestly, to this day, I don't know what it really was that made me go, Tina, I think you've got something in you that means you can do a bit more than this. But something along the way, and I think it was a mixture thing, suddenly went, do you know there is an option? Maybe you could run a business. And I'd never run a business. I grew a property portfolio as a hobby. And I can't stress this enough how much it was literally a hobby. It was an accountant that told me I had a business. That's how (laughs) unbusiness minded I am. Um, Well, I was at that stage. Um, I'd grown a portfolio as a hobby. I just very much liked it. I saved all the extra money I had. And then when I got one, I saved those rents. And then I kept buying whenever I could. It took many, many years. 
Um, and then I got to the point where I went to see an accountant and he said, with all the tax changes, he said, so this business that you've got, and I was like, no, I don't have a business. I mean, I've got a hobby. I haven't got time for a business. And he was like, no, you have a business. You know that look as if to go, oh, Jesus Christ, who have I got in front of me? <laughs> and uh, he was and, and I, he was the one that told me I had a business. And I went away and I cried. I was devastated because I'm not a business owner. I'm not a business person. I work for the council my my life goals that not that I had any was like oh well I work for the council and then I'll go and work for B&Q when I finish because I quite <laughs> like that sort of stuff B&Q is cool there's lots of like you know toys and, and yeah and exactly plasterboard. yeah all sorts and there is a lot to be said about that orange apron there is orange is a very lovely color it's also. a very good color isn't it I'm it glad is. you agree with me there <laughs> so so yeah that was kind of the bigger picture I had because I didn't think someone like me was capable of anything but that. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that there was never an option. That's what it was. Um, and then it was a mixture of, um, well, do you know what? It was YouTube. There was nothing. It was YouTube that, first of all, I realized I could educate myself on anything I wanted to through the great university of YouTube. And yep. so I did. And I liked property. So I started to learn. And even to the point of learning about how you take out a mortgage. And I had mortgages, but I always kept the loan to value very, very low because I was terrified of them. So then it was a case of, oh, God, I could add a bit more to this mortgage. And then I could buy again with only a bit of top up. I could go and get another one. So it was a gradual progression in me just really learning how property worked. And that was through YouTube. And then I ended up with a mentor. And then once you start being around people who are doing it, you start going, oh my God, there's this whole world out there that I didn't know existed. And then you start getting the people around you that sort of say, why, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And instantly you go, no, well, I do. I'm Because I, my mindset was not there, wasn't even close. I've spent like 40 years telling myself how shit I am at everything. And so you have to learn how to push against those thoughts and and I think that's the biggest change I've had to really go through is changing that thought process of the the way I was before to what you need to be to run a business because it's not it's not necessarily about the thing you're doing whether you're doing property or whether you're making cakes is irrelevant it's about the mindset and the business knowledge that comes with the knowledge of the thing that you're doing to make the money and I didn't have any of the other two. I had quite good property knowledge. I did not have mindset and I did not have business knowledge, like zero business knowledge. And I had a terrible mindset. So that's kind of how I've ended up where I am. But honestly, if I can do it, seriously, if it's what you want to do, and I'm not a big advocate of jumping out your job just because you can, you jump out your job, you end up in another job in property. But so you need to like what you do. Um, but if that is the route you want to go down, then seriously, if I can do it at 40 with no experience, I mean, let's face it, I've not really worked for another company. Never mind about I'd work for the council. So, you know, it's a different different sort of strategy as well when you work for council. So just wanted to stop you there a minute, Tina. Ted, did you want to add any age jokes there? Because Tina mentioned she was 40 because you like taking the mick out of us older people. So I'm just oh, giving I'm it? giving yeah. you the opportunity here yeah. to kind of I'm, tag up on two older people. If I'm you're brave enough. You knock them down. 
I was, you know what, Tina looked about 25, so I just was so confused. Oh, and the here knowledge, we go. Oh, he's smooth. Is. And there was so much knowledge. I was just listening so intently. I didn't, you know what I mean? You got out of that nicely. You got out of that Listen, nicely. I'm, I'm used to digging holes and then coming back out of them. But <laughs> just to interrupt you, Tina, I was going to ask, so you said you had a mentor, right? When you kind of went into property. Uh, not when I first went into it, because I did that myself. Me and YouTube did that. Um, mm, and then, then um, you... yes, yeah, so it was, it was when I, when my accountant told me I had a business, I thought, oh, Jesus, I best start taking this a bit more seriously because it's very hobby mindset. Mm. Um, and then I had um, watched a lot of YouTube and been a training standards officer for so many years. I could sniff bullshit a mile off. <laughs> and I was, and most of them, I was like, oh, God, no, that's really not for me. I mean, you give good content, but you're so not for me. I couldn't spend more than half an hour with you. But then yeah. there was a couple of people that actually I thought, do you know what? I quite like how you put things across and I could understand it quite quickly and grasp it. So that was when I ended up getting a mentor. Now I did not anticipate getting a mentor to leave work. You have to realize at this point, I was still like, I've ended up with these properties and I just need someone to help guide me through it. Like it wasn't a, I'm going to get a mentor and then I'm going to get a business plan and then I'm going to leave work and then I'm going to make money and I'm going to do that. Not even remotely. But joining that group, and it was important because it was a group of people I joined. And it was the group of people plus the mentor that made such a huge, huge difference to my, my confidence and my mindset on it. And if you didn't have that group and that mentor, you kind of carried on yourself, you know, do you think, like, what, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how much of an impact did it have? Like, without that, would you have achieved the same? No, not at all. Wow. Not not remotely because I, I wasn't even on the starting blocks. Yes, you can look at it that I was because I had a portfolio, but, but mindset wise, and, and it, it mm. wasn't a, it was a very much a background portfolio to a job. And so I needed to be my, I didn't even have people around me who, who did this sort of thing. So when you're not in that, in that group of people and you don't have those people influencing you, you don't have those people to spur you on. Um, it was it was actually about four months in where I had I, I was uh, I'd met someone on the course and I went for breakfast with them and they said, um, do you know, you're really different. And there's something about you. I think you'd be really good at doing property. And that was the first time anyone in 40 years or at least I remember or, or I absorbed it had said to me, you've got something about you. You could do this. And it was the first time I went back. And I remember going back to my room and I, I was quite upset about it because I was like, oh, my God, he's really good at what he does. And he knows his stuff. And he doesn't give willy nilly compliments out. It's like, shit, maybe, just maybe I could. And then the thoughts creep in going, oh, don't be so ridiculous. Tina. You, you know, <laughs> these are people and they're not like you. Yeah. So, yeah. So without that group of people and then without the friendships I developed through that group of people, absolutely no way i can 100 percent tell you i would still be at the council working and wow. you know we've kind of used this shift or you've used a shift from going from you know background portfolio having a full-time job not really sort of thinking about it to oh this is a business we need to think of it of a business for maybe someone who's in the same situation as you were or has a couple properties what what are the biggest shifts whether it's mindset or whether it's something sort of physical in business that make it a business not just a hobby so with a hobby there's a lot of emotion in it because you just wouldn't do it there's a lot of 
of joy. So my where I got most of my enjoyment from was literally the fact that I could buy places. I had a huge waiting list of tenants. So I got quite known locally for being a really good quality landlord. And as much as I needed to make money from it, I had a job. So it was about providing really high quality properties for really good tenants. And that's what I loved doing. I liked the tenants. I liked running the properties. Um, and when you shift it to a business, the figures become far more important. The, um, the planning of what you're doing becomes far more important. And also, but with that, that's, that's like the property knowledge. And if you've already got a couple of properties, you will probably be quite good with the property knowledge because you've probably experienced quite a few things. But you're lacking something else because otherwise you would have done it. So you're either lacking mindset, and, and I can't tell you how huge that is, mindset, um, or you're lacking um, the business acumen and the business knowledge to take it forward. So it will be one of those two other things. If you've already got off the starting blocks and got a couple of properties, so then you have to think, well, what is it? Is it because I literally, the, the uh, narrative that I constantly have in my head just t holds me back all the time? And if it's that, you need to go and work on your mindset to try and change that narrative. And if it's the business acumen, then um, you need to learn about business. And that is a subject within itself. Never mind about the property knowledge and never mind about the mindset. Um, but the great thing is you can get a lot of this stuff free. You, you literally don't have to pay for it. Now, I myself now have three different so taking that that sort of that, that triangle of stuff you I feel you need to run a business, I now have a um, a person who helps me with my mindset and helps me push forward with that. I have a pure business coach. He's not in property. He's just business. And then I also have a property mentor um, who gives me property knowledge. And with the three of those together, that is the what I need to push me forward all the time because as we've already established. Um, I'm not the youngest and so I've got to and I've only come into this sort of the last three years so I've got to push quite hard I haven't got 20 years to like push hard on this so I need all the support I can get um, so I think you need to identify and I'll tell you what the biggest thing is you need to start listening to yourself and really understanding you because I honestly never learned I never knew who I was till I probably reached 40 and started this journey I just had no idea about me. I, I, I didn't really listen to my narrative that I was telling myself every day. I didn't, I didn't really know it existed. And it's only since I've been working on that that I've gone, oh, Jesus Christ, Tina, no wonder you're struggling with stuff. Tina, you know you sorry, just sorry to interrupt. You know, you talk about you were quite limited in your own self-belief. You know, you didn't think that you could do it. You, you thought somebody had to have some rare skills or these, you know, hidden talents to do this. I know when we've spoken before, you've mentioned that, you know, your the, the way me and you came across was when I saw your wonderful diagrams, because you, you mentioned on our podcast that you're quite, you are dyslexic, so you you struggle. I wondered if you could talk about that, because, you know, that's something that you haven't let stop you. Whereas I know in certain professions, if you were going there trying to get into a new field, that might be something that might restrict someone just because you've talked about it already that you had limited beliefs. I wondered if you could touch on that. Yeah, so... um when I was I was diagnosed at seven as being dyslexic, they said, oh, she'll probably never take an exam 
Uh, she'll struggle with reading and writing. So I was brought up constantly, and they still do this in schools, by the way, constantly told, oh, you can't do that because you're dyslexic. Oh, you'll never be able to do that because you're dyslexic. No one ever sat me down and went, oh, because you're dyslexic, do you know your mind will work like this and it will open you up to this? It's always like it, it's a negative thing rather than a positive thing. Um, and so I spent, I was, when I got my job at the council, I was so grateful to have a job because I felt like I would never be able to do more than work in a bar or deliver sandwiches because that didn't need you to read or write. Um, and I can read, or, read and write, by the way. But um, it, it was, a, it was um, and so when I got my job at the council, I, I carried bags for other officers is where I started because uh, I could do that. You, you, it's fine to be dyslexic and do that stuff. Um, and then I gradually, just through circumstance, worked my way up within the council. But still in the back of my mind... I truly believed that I was just very lucky to have a job. Someone employed me because if I left that council job, who the hell would employ me? Because I can't even write a post-it note for a note that I take off the telephone for somebody else saying who called. So who, how am I employable? I, you know, I'm not. So I have to keep at these lower level jobs is wrong, but, but you know, the jobs I can, I can do. Um, and then it was only through meeting people, other people who were dyslexic as well, who sort of said, ah, bollocks, it doesn't matter. Like, if you send an email and it's got spelling mistakes in it and they don't like it, well, then they're not probably the people you want to work with anyway. And when you run your own business, you get to choose these people. Mm -hmm. So if they're bothered by it, they'll probably go, oh, God, well, she'll be no good because she doesn't know where a comma goes. Well, then they're just <laughs> not the people for me to work with because – if you need a good comma in the right place in an email, then go and find another property person to invest with. Um, so, and it was only when people made me aware of that, that I suddenly went, oh God, I think you're right. So I, you say my, I didn't let it hold me back. I did. I truly did. Because I believed that having that was a bit like it made me incapable and no one would want to pay me. Whereas now I realize what it gives me and what being dyslexic enables me to do. And now I've developed a bit more confidence with the dyslexia. It means, for instance, I had a meeting with my accountant and he was telling me all this stuff. And I went in looking very professional with my pen and my paper. And I was started to write it all down. And I was thinking in my head, I got a bloody clue what he's talking about. <laughs> so what I did is I and I had a flip chart in the car with some colored pens. And I said to him, I don't mean to be rude, but can you clear a bit of space on your desk or I'll sit on the floor? I don't mind, but can I get my flip chart and can I draw it? And he was like, what? I said, just all you need to do is tell me what you've just said and I'll draw it. So when I got my flip chart, I sat on the floor. He was like, this is the weirdest meeting I've ever had. <laughs> but I sat on the floor with my flip chart, my color pens. And I went, right, tell me again. And I drew it out with all arrows and circles and drawing properties. And, and then I was like, so let me tell you back. And I told him back and he was like, yeah, you've got it. So it's just finding your way of working. And that is like truly, truly important, which comes back to knowing you if you're going to succeed. Mm. And, you know, before you kind of said, uh, you know, people shouldn't necessarily just jump and quit their job and, you know, gallivant off into the sunset with a tenor in their bank. Um, and this question get asked, gets asked so much. And of course, it's, it's so broad. Um, so, you know, answer it however you wish. People always say, when is the right time to quit my job? How do I know when to quit my job? And what are your general thoughts on that? Okay, so um, first of all, 
do not think that from watching YouTube that you will have any bloody idea how painful it is running a property business. <laughs> yeah, preach. Like, it is tough. It's hard work. I've never worked harder than I do now. But it's different. It's a different sort of thing. And the reason it's different is because I generally like what I do. Now, there's elements I don't like. I think you can't run a business and like everything. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe you can, but not for me. Um so you need to really be realistic about it. You know, is your job really so shit that you are going to enter into a world where it is hard going and you're on your knees sometimes and you lose money and we're not selling cakes, you know. We are dealing with hundreds of thousands of pounds and one decision is suddenly 10 grand gone within a matter of seconds. And worse uh, than that, some on the odd occasion, it might not be your 10 grand that's gone. Um, so, you know, you have to really analyze, right, what do I really want? And if you hate your job or if you know, yes, I want to give property a go, then that's great. That's, that's the first box tick. The second box is you have to have grown your portfolio, I believe, enough in order for you to replace the, what well, I think there's, there's two levels of income. One level is a, oh, that would be amazing to have, or that's like the, the, all the frilly stuff, like the nice car and the holidays and all that stuff. And then there's a secondary level of income, and that secondary level of income is, I must have that to live. Mm-hmm. And when you've worked that figure out, you need to have replaced your secondary level of income with something. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be property, but it could be property related in order to get you that way. Um, but make sure you've replaced that. Now, I did that. But where I went wrong, I didn't realize because of my lack of knowledge in business, I didn't realize the cost of actually starting a business. And you are starting a business and that has costs to it. Now, luckily, I had a small pot of savings that have just about seen me through. But you also need that general starting of a business costs. And when you've got those two things, then you can look at jumping. But until those two things are in place, you will put yourself through a lot of pain if you don't have those things in place. And the last thing you want to do is either get your house repossessed. Um, maybe if, you're, if your kids are already at a certain school, you don't want to rip your kids out of that school. Um, all those sorts of things that are essentials that you have to budget in. Wow. Tina, that's some fantastic advice. And I think that's a great note to finish on. Um, Very sensible, yep. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm listening to all that and thinking, well, if I'd listened to some of that advice when I started, I could be in a different place right now. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I know. I think it's so easy to just, you know, jump without thinking about all the things you just said, Tina, because it's like, oh, it's excitement, it's this, it's that. But actually, if people who are listening, if you don't have in place what Tina said, that excitement is going to become pain and it's going to become bills not paid and it's, it's going to become issues down the line. So, yeah, fantastic. And Tina, you know, as you've said so many times throughout this, if you can do it, anybody can. And I think that's a sound bit of advice for anybody looking to make that change. You know, um, we've spoken before, so I know what your journey is, but I think there's some solid bits of information that um, hopefully when this goes out in January, people will think, you know what, that's given me the kick up the ass to do what I need to do. Or in fact, take a back seat and think, you know what, maybe I'll take some more time before I go and make this massive change. 
Awesome. Well, Tina, thank you so much for coming on the Property Dealer podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Uh, and people, if you want to get hold of Tina, please check the show notes for this. We will have all her contact details then. And you can go say hi and learn about what she's doing at the moment. So Tina, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate you both taking the time to have me on. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.